In our opinion, movies can be found in one of two realms. The realm of the renowned, those active in the minds of pop culture, your masterpieces, your witty comedies, your impactful horror. There are even those that are so bad they're good. Cult classics. This is not a show about those movies. Instead, we bravely venture into the realm of the forgotten. We plummet the depths of cinema, searching amidst the left behind, the seventh at the box office and the bottom of the bargain bin. We seek out neglected films to find the ones worth salvaging from oblivion. And banish the unworthy back to the abyss. What hidden gems will we find on our exploration? What mediocre plot lines will we unearth? And what artifacts that may at first have been overlooked will we reclaim? I'm Wesley. I'm Peter. I'm Lily. I'm Sam. And hello from obscurity. Everybody, welcome back to Hello from Obscurity. Uh, today we will be talking about the film "The Adventures of Baron Munchausen," the 1988 one, directed by Terry Gilliam, uh, starring John Neville, Eric Idle, Sarah Polly. Uh, there's so many people in this. Uh, Freaking Jonathan Price, Bill Patterson. Uh, Peter Jeffrey, who, which is the name of my uncle, uh, and I thought somehow he was going to show up in there. Robin Williams is in it, uncredited. Uh, uh, who else? Uma Thurman shows up. Yeah. Didn't you say this is her first movie or Uma one of Thurman's her first movies? first movie ever. Wow. First um, audition ever. I yeah. looked that up. Wow. First audition mm-hmm. in Hollywood ever. Dude, she was Sting. great. Sting is in this movie. I thought it was him. I was I was folding my laundry and I was like, that looks like that. That's not Sting. It was totally Sting. Yeah. You want to know why Sting's in this movie? Why? Because him and Terry Gilliam are neighbors. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Just like, hey, Sting, want to be in this weird movie? You'll be That's in it cool. for about 15 seconds. And then Sam, did you, or I think we've all seen Fleabag, the dad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you recognize his voice. Like as we were watching it, I was like, it took me a second. I was like, where oh, yeah. do I know this guy from? But I was just actually rewatching uh, Fleabag season two again for like the millionth time. Yes. And I was like, oh, I was God. rewatching Outlander, and he's one of he's a lawyer in Outlander. Oh, interesting. For the clans. Yeah. Oh, but British movies. British all, movies. They, they got them all, the same don't they? <laughs> well, this movie I, I would describe as delightfully British. I, I oh, mean, it's, it's for British. for those at home who don't know. Terry Gilliam, um, one of the founding members of Monty Python. He directed most of Monty Python's Flying Circus. He directed Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, he is known for his kind of weird, absurd, absurdist movies. He did this. He did The Time Bandits. He did uh, 12 Monkeys. He did Fear and Loathing Brazil. in Las Vegas. He did Brazil. Uh, some of my favorite movies were directed by this man, including this one. Uh, mm. th- this is... Uh, uh, I, I think I was introduced to Terry Gilliam before I was introduced to Monty Python. And I kind of grew up watching these movies. Um, and Adventures of Baron Munchausen was the first one I, like, found on my own when I was, like, I don't know, nine years old. I went to Hollywood Video. 
and uh, I saw this insane looking cover, which is just a picture of this dude's face as a hot air balloon flying away with a ship under it. It's wild. Uh, so I, I grew up watching this movie, loving it. Um, it has like, oh, I, I rewatching it. Some of like my major influences on all my creative creative fronts can be tied back to Terry Gilliam. Um, I, uh, I, I feel like I am in the, uh, uh, minority in really <laughs> loving most of his movies. Um, but this is definitely one of them that I love so much. Uh, for re- real quick, uh, just because this movie takes so many freaking twists and turns, um, this <laughs> movie is about, um, a, uh, God. A town under siege. Do you guys remember the name of the town? Because I don't. I I don't, I don't either. either. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it's under siege by uh, uh, the Turks. Sultan, the Sultan and his Turks. Um, and while this town is being bombarded by cannons, um, the this play uh, house puts on a show about the adventures of Baron Munchausen, which is a real thing. Um, it is based off an old German uh, kind of like book of tall tales um, about this dude, real dude, Baron Munchausen, who uh, they just kind of used this real guy as a main character for a fictitious book. I feel like that actually happens a lot. Yeah. In a very different way. I mean, like Dracula's a real dude. Dracula's a real dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think because this is so whimsical. It's like, uh-huh. oh, real. D- oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mun- Munchausen. I mean, the whole point. I d- I don't know anything about Baron Munchausen before this movie, mm-hmm. but Munchausen. I've heard of Munchausen syndrome and Munchausen by proxy. <laughs> yep. Which yeah. are very which popular is... in the like crime, like just like genre. Yeah. Named after days. this guy. Wow. Because he are makes up tall oh. tales. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because he, he makes up all this stuff. I... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because he makes up preposterous wow. stories that like damage. I thought it was just a coincidence too. I didn't. I didn't think about it like that. But that that makes sense. No, real dude. I'm into it. That's the only re- reason I knew about this movie is because really? I think I watched. Yeah, well, I watched True um, or True Detective, and they have that scene that really pivotal. Not even pivotal, just a good side no scene. No spoilers. Okay, well, it was a Munchausen by proxy. I say Munchausen because that's how. Um, Munchausen? Link Link later. No, not Link later. Lincoln lawyer guy. Who is that? McConaughey. McConaughey. Basically the mascot of my school, the Uh University of Texas. Fuck Bevo. It's it's McConaughey. Well he says Munchausen. And I'm Munchausen. 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 Maybe he does say it. Okay. But yeah, no. Uh, the uh, so they, school. yeah, they're they're putting on this play, kind of like <laughs> Baron Munchausen is a very like Don Quixote esque character, kind of like delusions of grandeur, and kind of been inserted into so many different uh, tales. And uh, who shows up to the play but the real Baron Munchausen, <gasps> uh, who tells them, "Oh, you're telling." Lies. This isn't how it happened. I've only ever spoken the truth. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he he promises to save this town by recollecting his like merry gang of 
Essentially, associates. Well, they say servants. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And he goes on. He he takes a a young girl unintentionally on a set of many adventures. That that was a that was I didn't like that was a bad way to phrase. (laughs) A young girl sneaks onto his flying ship. Yeah. She she she's like she's like a big fan. She's probably like what like seven eight yeah. somewhere around if there that, maybe even she's younger. kind of the, yeah. the true believer that carries uh-huh. the torch her yeah. dad like plays baron munchausen in the play and like kind of runs the theater company that's putting on the show and and yeah she's like very much like wants to hear the stories and and is trying to save the town and yes. so she's she's there to hold him accountable mm-hmm. i kind of feel they, like it's her they keep role. saying town but it's a giant city with it's city walls very big city <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that like for some reason this entire army is like decided to focus on this city. Yes, like the entire but they Turkish put a lot army. of effort into taking this one city down. But it they makes don't really it really clarify... seem like it's Constantinople, it, a giant I mean, walled city attacked by the Turks. Yeah, well, what I thought in it was... the turn of the 18th century. <laughs> yeah, well that was so everyone's in Well, no. I, well, I thought it was like kind of like a Robin Hood. You know how Robin Hood is uh-huh. inserted to that time period where uh, Lionheart or Richard Lionheart is up there and uh, Prince John is a real character. Uh-huh. So when I started watching this, I was like, oh, the, the, the tales of Munchausen mm-hmm. take place. <laughs> yeah, take place in a real city. And this really happened, and now it's going to be the fiction of it all. But no, this is just pure fiction. This war mm. is pure fiction. There's no truth in this movie. Mm. There's yeah. only this truth in this movie. Yeah, and it's 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 very clear at a certain point that the right, like the the people who are bringing this movie to life, it they don't care about why the war started. Like it's not. Oh no, that's not it's as not a viewer. I think it's important to like. Those things don't matter in this. It's very fanciful, heightened, elevated. It, it's not like, yeah. It's, well, it's not a straightforward movie. I, I think the well, best way to matters. clarify how out there this is is just to explain what each of the three, or is it three? No, four. Four like associate servants yes. do. They all have like special abilities. Yes, they are uh, ba- based on if you've heard the tale of, uh. Tall, broad, and sharp-eyed. They're based on those characters. Mm. I've never heard that tale. Really? Oh. No. <laughs> I've heard I feel like it was a familiar thing. Like I don't know if I've heard that I Was this a tale, Waldorf thing? But... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Is this but... a Waldorf movie? <laughs> He yeah he honestly he has all of his... seems like something that they would show Waldorf kids. Oh yeah, <laughs> I bit. saw it before Waldorf, but. Uh, but yeah, so he has one. Uh, one of his servants is super fast. He's basically the Flash. Uh, <laughs> like I love, and it's Eric Idle. I loved his scenes. Yes, that was my favorite Eric part. Idle, uh, yes. and he has to walk around with these massive weights on his uh, legs, like Rock Lee. Um, and uh, when he takes them off, he can run from. Uh, uh, any, he, yeah. Like across Empire. the world yeah, in like a matter run, of run from the minutes. Ottoman Empire to uh, Germany. England, Germany. Oh. Ah, yeah. He's a German. Ah. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, in less than an hour, uh, he has uh, one dude, strongest guy on earth. Just so strong. He can lift anything. He <laughs> <laughs> that, That's his whole deal. He can lift anything. 
he has one dude who can see uh, as far as not even as humanly possible. As yeah, I think they say like he can hit a bullseye on the other <laughs> side of the world. His was yes. weird because he al- wasn't he also the one that could hear really well. No, no, there's a different oh, one who can hear one. really well. Yeah, there, there's a different one who can hear really well and also has the lung capacity of a fighter jet <laughs> because he can literally blow people away or suck them towards himself. Uh, with his just his lungs, with his breath. Yeah, uh, and he's very little. He's a little person. So he's a little the, person. The gag yes. is that he's a little person with big lungs. Yes, it's very funny. Uh, it's did hilarious. You, you, it's fucking great. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you guys like this movie? Well, okay, Peter, you like this movie. I, I loved it. L- adore this movie. Okay. Sam. <laughs> well, I know I, you don't like Wesley, it very much. <laughs> I I'm very indifferent to this movie. I I don't hate it. It feels like the kind of movie like it remind like I think I said after we watch it like it reminds me of like if you've ever seen like the Rex Harrison like Doctor Doolittle from like the '60s or whatever hmm. or like. I don't know, just any of those like really, really long kids movies that have like a lot of people in them. That like as a kid, there was simultaneously stuff that would have scared the shit out of me, but also I would always like for sure fall asleep on it. Like I feel like this is the kind of movie my parents would have put on for me, and I would have been like, "Oh God, this scary thing's gonna happen!" And before it would happen, I'd be out. <laughs> I would have just ran away. I would have been like doing other things. Yeah, this movie has like the sin of just going on and on and on. I was reading I like, the Wikipedia page, yeah, and it was I the like summary the of the plot. Oh, Me too. Yeah, I yeah, love the aesthetic's the... cool. Uh, not loving the the female character uh, <laughs> representation, and that there's just one little girl who has a personality, and every woman is just else is just kind of there to like be attracted to this old man. <laughs> This old man yeah. who's getting younger. <laughs> this um, I, it's not that young. Thing. It's not an overstatement to say that this does not pass the Bechdel test. Oh, <laughs> no. not, oh God, not no. by a long shot. <laughs> yeah, that's not a that's not a reach. Yeah, I was reading the Wikipedia page just trying to go over it because I saw it two days ago. Uh-huh. So I was just trying to go over what I had just witnessed, and a lot of the scenes, like the ones in particular where they. Like bounce out to the moon and meet mm. Robin Williams, the king of the moon. <laughs> Robin Williams and seeing him made me like it more. I will say, I like too. start like I felt like I felt like oh, Wesley, finish your thought. <laughs> well, no, I was just gonna say like it was like one paragraph. He goes to the moon, meets Robin Williams, kind of seduces his wife or whatever. But uh-huh. it was like in a uh, one. Sorry, it Wesley. Was, Re-seduces his wife. Re-seduces his wife because it's much. <laughs> but it's a one paragraph. It's about three sentences. But that sequence, and along with like the Cyclops sequence and the one where mm. they're in the belly of the whale, went on for like a half an hour too long when it could just be synthesized in about two sentences. This, this yeah. movie does suffer from uh, definitely let it letting itself just keep talking i i feel like there was not one single cut line of dialogue no they just (laughs) they just said no just keep going 
Just keep, and it's wild because like Terry, it's not, you're crushing it. Keep going. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's not a wildly long movie. It's it's for a kids movie. It is. It's two hours and six minutes. It feels but, so long. Oh, it feels it feels like a three hour no, movie. No, and here's the thing. I was really really tired when we started watching this, and it was probably like not in a good mindset for this. But no, I was like the whole time I was like I'm trying I'm trying so hard <laughs> to like get invested in this movie, but all I just like I know this is two hours, and it's just I, it cannot come like the end cannot yeah, come soon while, enough. While we were watching, there were so many times where like I looked over at Sam with like a huge smile on my. face. Oh, no. And she was just like slumped in the chair. I'm like, oh. So um, so I have funny. a I have a tip to help you notice. get through this I movie. Did, I did look over at you a few times, but I had no idea you were that excited. I thought you were tired too. This is I like was. a beloved Peter Clark Criterion oh, Collection. This is, this movie. is a foundational movie I'm for moving me. Moving out yeah. after this. Influential, yeah. Yeah. For Peter in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a I have a tip to help you get through that second half of the movie. So you're watch. This is what I did. Weed. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I started um, scrolling through TikTok, <laughs> and um, what happened was someone uh, was doing like a funny video of WAP right when Eric Idle started dancing. Wow, <laughs> and. Um, it's hilarious. So if you ever get a chance, watch towards the end where Eric Idle is uh, jovially d- doing a jaunt and um, <laughs> and, just and Cardi B's wop. Because it. Yeah. it actually, wow. the, the rhythm matches up great and it gave me the momentum to finish the movie. So No, see, and, I, and too, like that moment when Robin Williams came in, which isn't that far into the no, movie. It's, like the, in it's the, the first adventure. Yeah. I like suddenly and he's felt- credited Peter. Like I, I went on IMDb. not on the he not on the not oh, on the credits of the on actual IMDb, movie. Yes, though. they've updated it in the oh. in the uh, on the actual oh, okay. film. He's credited as Ray Detell, uh, which <laughs> is a bastardization of the King of Everything. Yeah, in it- Italian. Italian. Yeah, like mm-hmm. once I once the moon thing started happening, I think it like I think I could kind of feel my head go back and just be like, oh, okay. <laughs> We're funnily this. yeah funnily like, enough the the moon sequence was i think the last thing they shot when they, they were money. they ran out of all their money that's why all <laughs> there's no sets the sets are paper buildings that just kind of fly by which i like kind of i love that weird like, good spray, for them. yeah there's like weird spray painted styrofoam uh cages that they're in or just like someone's bedroom that just Robin Williams is hanging out in like they very clearly ran out of money and they're like, whatever, it's the moon. There's nothing there. And then his well, makeup would be blue and then it would be off and then it would be on. He looked like right. a guy from uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z, like the pink guy at one point. I was like, that guy from Dragon Ball Z. Anyway. Boo? I don't know. I'm yeah. But it's um, guy. it's cool, Peter, <laughs> that you watch this kind of as a kid, because I do think like for a creative a creatively minded kid watching this i think it does teach you like just go for it like i like this oh, movie yeah. in theory a lot of like yeah mm. just like fucking go yeah. for it make up your own rules there are no rules go crazy like i think that's a cool st- like, i think that's a cool lesson to teach kids mm. um who haven't like been as molded yet i mm-hmm. think i like that and i think once i because i 
this aesthetic really like struck me. I'm like, where have I seen this before besides Monty, other Monty Python movies? And it was the like the Dada movement of like mm-hmm. the 20s, uh-huh. where it was like the absurdity. And when I looked it up, I'm like, oh, this is literally the cover art of the the movie. <laughs> oh, so once absolutely. I was like, so once I was able to be like, okay, this is absurdist. There is no truth. This is postmodern. Like mm-hmm. once I was able, and also kind of putting like almost a waiting for Godot kind of vibe to it i was like got it now i see it now i can appreciate it for what it is Mm -hmm. well here's here's why i don't appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) i can never agree no i i agree with most everything about like the go for it like last week i think i said alice in wonderland was like my favorite piece of media so it's like great we're gonna go on an adventure and it's not gonna make much sense fine I just, I'm not a fan of Terry Gilliam. No, that's totally just, I I feel like most people aren't a fan of Terry it's, Gilliam. It's, it's very, it's very odd to the mm-hmm. point of like upsetting and to me. Oh no. It's like, it's a Punch and Judy show. Like that's uh-huh. what it feels like to me where it's like, violence is funny, an organ full of like, like I play the organ and torture people. Isn't that yeah. hilarious? And the it is. <laughs> I mean, I liked it. <laughs> I did not. It, and I I can't watch Brazil because it's too claustrophobic and dirty. And there's something, something unnerving about it. Um, yeah. So when you said we were gonna do a Terry Gilliam, we were gonna do Munchausen, I was mm-hmm. worried. And no, yeah. I really did like most of it. I just. Oh. Yeah, well, and like I like certain movies of his. Like I really like Twelve Monkeys, and I do like Monty Python. But like it, like especially with Monty Python, and I feel like this too. It's really something that I have to be in like a very specific mood Mm -hmm. to want to watch it. And I was one thousand percent not in that mood when I watched (laughs) um, this. This is also the guy that did Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Yes, Mm -hmm. and Peter, I remember in high school you said that was your favorite movie. Yeah, I loved that movie, and it's still still love that movie. I think aesthetically, what he was able to achieve with such little money and like just the you know the the skin of his teeth, like he just went for it and made those movies that he wanted to make. Yeah. I really appreciate. I will and say funny. You never that- feel like you're watching the same scene twice. And I can gen, cause I've never, I don't, besides Monty Python, I've never seen any of his movies except mm-hmm. I guess Parnassus. But like the idea that I genuinely have no idea how this is going to end. Yeah. And that's And then it rare. ended five different times. Right. And I love that. I was like, oh, I I can't tell you what this is. I can't give you a brief synopsis. And I love that. Because how many times where it's like, boy meets girl, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, can't do that for you. You just got to watch it and figure it out on your own. No, this is boy meets himself, calls himself a liar, jumps in a balloon made of underwear and flies to the moon. Mm. <laughs> moon is Robin Williams. Moon is Robin Williams. Moon is just Robin like Williams. really weirdly horny, like yeah. the yeah. whole time. Totally. Well, the head coming off and then being an intellectual and then coming and back. Then onto and then his head suddenly, and yeah. yeah. But he's oh. just tickling her feet, guys. That was funny. That, I that genuinely like yeah. that. The fact that, like, he's so, like, self involved, he didn't realize that, like, his partner wasn't there. Yeah. I- <laughs> If if you if you folks at home really want to get a uh, uh, a feel for Robin Williams' character, uh, I wrote down my favorite line that he speaks. Oh God! Oh, and I have my favorite lines too. Great. Uh, my favorite. Uh, the, I feel like the sum total 
of Robin Williams' King of the Moon can be summed up in, No! No! I don't have time for flatulence and orgasms! <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't remember that one. <laughs> I, I, I do Rated remember PG. that one. Oh, good. We're doing a PG movie. Mm-hmm. Love it. Children's movie. We, wa- we're, we just watch. <laughs> well, I guess it's very much like I felt like you could show this to children. Like it, they definitely oh, yeah. had stuff that like if as an adult, you're like, oh, wow. But like as a kid, yeah, right. Right over that. Right over their little noggins. Right over yeah, they're stupid. Stupid heads. <laughs> Um, so at the beginning, when um, when Jonathan Price is sort of like, oh, you can't do this, you're not the real Munchausen, and he has that amazing accent, and he just says, that- I'm afraid, sir, you have a weak what? grasp of reality. And then Munchausen says, your reality, sir, is lies and balderdash, and I'm delighted to say I have no grasp of it whatsoever. Okay, wait, hold on. Yeah. Speaking of his accent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I am I very sure he had a very British accent in the <laughs> first know. scene, and then in the, every other scene, he's like trying he's so like hard to put this French. weird French accent <laughs> no. on it, like Vichy French accent. What I, I took it as German. Like this is a problem with his accent that we don't know what yeah. it is. We do and, not know. But I love it. It would like come and go. I love that though. It, he, it would come and go, and he also very much did not have that accent at all in yeah. the no. first scene. He was just <laughs> Jonathan Price, and then it. And then it just came in, and I was like, what is this? You, you know what I think it was? <laughs> what? Um, so he didn't have an accent in the first scene, and what's the first thing he does? He kills Sting. And because I think he, he gets honorable. cursed because of that. Because <laughs> they, they made it like a point of like, this is the age of reason. Yeah. Thus, Munchausen is the foil to that. And uh, th- we, you know, logical thing is to not demoralize the men. Um who just saw this brave, heroic Sting guy defeat, like, the Turks single-handedly? Or, like, oh, yeah. Squadron he, of the Turks? Yeah, Turks he goes on, like, a rescue mission, saves so many people, defeats an entire squadron, ma- barely makes it back, but, like, injured but alive. But I thought I, I took it as, like, oh, But in the doing so, he disobeyed jealous. orders? Is yeah. that the thesis? Well, I thought uh, it was men are going to get jealous. Of exactly. His. Yeah, that that was Jonathan Price's <sighs> argument. Because he was like, too extraordinary. You're setting too good of an example. Kill I did him. not. Okay. I was. I did not pick up on it. I only that. got that when I read the synopsis of like, oh, it's this, uh, this, they're making a point of this is the age of reason, and then I got, I got that character, Jonathan mm-hmm. Jonathan Price's character immediately. I was like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. I get it. But, and then um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I have no part in it. I loved that. That was, I think, um, I and I didn't realize that balderdash is one of my favorite words until oh, he said word. it. <laughs> I, just, I, I loved it. Word. And then um, towards the, I think, more middle middle part, um, before he does, um, what is the thing he does with their underwear? Uh, he sews it all together to <laughs> turn it into a hot air balloon, obviously. Right, so before the line, cause, just because I didn't know... I had no idea that that was what was going to happen. I just yep. wrote down, kindly be so good as to remove your knickers. I was like, <laughs> yeah. but, but I like it now. But in the moment, I was like, <laughs> gross. I, I think when that line happened, Sam, you turned to me and said, I don't think Lily's going to like this. 
Yeah. I thought about Lily too. I was like, oh, Lily might not like. Yeah. I'm such a gross dude. I'm well, like, okay. That's what I mean, it's yeah. like because even when he becomes like supposedly young, he he's still an Lily's old man who should not yeah. be dancing with a very young Uma Thurman. No. He he de-ages Uma Thurman, who's like, like younger than us in this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, yeah. she's like probably like a like teenager. nineteen. Like, yeah, I think yeah. he was like she was either eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. And oh, barely so we're legal. Old fogies right now, you know. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I will say he does de-age, but he de-ages from about a hundred and forty to maybe like seventy. Yeah. I was so confused. Oh no, not why 50. They were He's way older him. than fifty. Because he has no grasp of time after watching 80. this. Like, my why, concept Peter? of aging is ruined from so, this movie. Okay, Sorry, here, we're having thing. two conversations. We sure are. I'm going to talk about the de-aging because. Yeah, tell me. So, it like. As Sam was kind of saying, Bear Munchausen is very specifically the foil to reason. Uh, and so he comes in as this ancient old man. But as things start getting more fanciful and as things start happening and people start like believing in his stories and all of a sudden he is reliving like all these things. He doesn't live in a world where like you are restricted by laws of science or logic or anything. It, it's it's very much like he is revitalized by the fact that this kind of fanciful world is reemerging because it's falling apart. Mm. The, the whole the whole point of the uh, uh, Jonathan Price character is, oh, yeah, the new age is coming in the new age of reason. And Baron Munchausen does not exist in the age of reason. So I, I always saw that as, oh. He's fading away. He's no longer going to be in this world. But because he was able to inject that little bit of fancy, the fantasy, the fun, he de-ages. He even says it when they land on the moon. Uh, Sally, the little girl, looks at him and goes, oh, you you look younger. Uh, and he brushes it off of like, oh, yeah, of course I do. This always happens. <laughs> So he's revitalized by just people believing in him, kind of like how Elf, like Santa Claus, Santa Slay. Yeah, or or even like uh, if, oh, Tinkerbell, if, yeah. If you guys have read American Gods, um, gods only have uh, their powers and abilities and immortality when people believe in them. Uh, when people stop, no, Neil Gaiman. Well, no, I'm no, sorry, no. Rick Riordan did the same, like had the th- same logic with. Uh, Percy Jackson. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. And, and it's like you only get power through belief. Um, if nobody believes in you, you can't do anything. And so because he is like starting, like he literally convinced a town to give up their underwear for him so he could fly to the moon. Fly <laughs> and me so, to the moon. yeah. And all of that is uh, uh, providing like the, the belief in the story. That's something mm-hmm. I love. <laughs> you know what I didn't like about this movie the most? Tell me. Was, was the comedy. The comedy was so... It just was so common denominator. Like, I remember doing, uh, like, in high school, in Mr. Leaf's class, uh, for podcasters or people listening to this podcast, we all went to high school together. We sure did. But I did this... Yep, that's how we know each other. Um, (laughs) And I did this scene with uh, another person that I'm not going to say. We wrote it. And essentially it was 
it was Shakespeare and his wife, and the premise was Shakespeare was a dumb, drunk idiot, and the wife was writing the whole uh, plays for him. Did and you write anonymous, Wesley? I know that's what I was gonna say. I was like, yeah, it's basically that's why what Wesley anonymous chose was. that. That's why I chose and we it. all hated it. <laughs> Wesley was like, we all gave you money by renting it. You son yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, we gotta start like find movies that Wesley are like Wesley earned a total of twelve dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, but the scene, the premise of, or the comedy was basically like, oh, honey, honey, uh, welcome home. I, I wrote this, uh, this script. It's uh, Romeo and Juliet. And I was Shakespeare and I was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. where art thou, Romeo? More like, where fart thou, Romeo? <laughs> Give me some beer. And essentially, it bombed. It was awful. Uh-huh. It was... The- the reviews, the critics panned it. And oh, yet it Wesley was, was like not giving up on his dream. And then he went on to, <laughs> to write anonymous. Roland Emmerich's And anonymous. then he met Roland Emmerich. I yeah. met Roland on, I, I wrote it anonymously, gave it to yeah. Roland Emmerich. Um, wow. But Mr. Leaf, he basically said, hey, even if this is a low form, form of art, sketch comedy, mm-hmm. you still have to play to the highest form of intelligence like the audience's highest intelligence you can't just go for the low-hanging fruit that's why like slapstick like buster keaton and charlie champlin are like reviewed as geniuses even though they're in slapstick which is a low form of art and i just feel like children's movies always get this thing where I feel like on this set, the motto was like, oh, do that. Have a Donald Duck voice. Fine. That's hilarious. It's a kid's movie. Who cares? Yeah. And it's just so lame. Everything was too long. The punchlines were like. I thought this was what you you liked about the movie. I thought that was what was. No, no, no. no I'm no, saying, I'm saying like. I got, I, oh, I basically I got the criticism from Mr. Leaf. That I'm gonna give this movie. Okay, uh-huh. see, I thought you started this like, whole thing being like, I liked the comedy of this, and no. the whole time I was like, really? <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no, no, Wesley, I hated this What's comedy. wrong with you? Yeah, and I just think that I've seen, I've seen Monty Python. That's funny in a very stupid way. That's yeah. hilarious, especially mm, for the time. Especially for the time. Take that Monty Python adult humor away from it, and it's just this. And I don't like it. Yeah. I'm I, done with my diatribe. I'm no, going to go I, back to Roland, talk about <laughs> Anonymous. I'm going to rewatch it for the 50th time there. Uh, Sorry, but go you on, say, Sam. Sam? You, were, you were going to say. I forgot. Then it was I'll about say. comedy. Okay. Oh, and then I'll, oh. I'll, I'll be the, the negative Nancy or oh. Nelly. I'll be oh, sorry, Nancy that's already, and Nelly. That's already Wesley and Sam. Yeah, because so. I was just going to start out by saying I also didn't <laughs> I like saying the, the one comedy. Thing I, didn't, really I didn't laugh like. once. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, Lily, do you have something else negative to say? We're shitting on your movie, Peter. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to come back swinging. <laughs> <laughs> Peter came armed and prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one, this, the one sensory thing that, like, was my biggest moment of like, nope, nope, can't do it. And then it got, I got better. I don't think I disliked it as much as you, I enjoyed it. Um, was just when Robin Williams was just gorging himself on the food. Cause I have a thing with like wet mouth sounds and like really uh-huh. seeing people oh, eat. Yeah. And it was just, hum, 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 and just like five minutes of that. I was like, I can't, that was my biggest, 
uh-oh with um with this one <laughs> would, would it yikes yeah would, would it shock you three to know that uh, no. robin williams was a such a last minute casting that uh they they got him i think a day before they started shooting his plane landed he did not go to his hotel he went to set uh from the plane shot everything and i think two days and left <laughs> and i think he ad-libbed the lines oh yeah yeah he didn't have a script um so he ad-libbed every line wow try stopping robin williams from well, ad-libbing though <laughs> robin williams presence was the one moment i felt something the whole movie so i did like that he did a good job in those scenes it was the one it was the part i was the most engaged during for sure <laughs> i I'm sorry, this is all coming out way harsher than I needed. Yeah, I really did like, I wanted to like this movie a lot more mm -hmm. than, because at the beginning, I really loved this. I mean, the sets and the ideas with the. The sets were beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I the think ideas here's the other thing. Cool too. I'm coming into this where this isn't an aesthetic. This is an aesthetic I like, but I will say I also have lots of associations with it that aren't great. Like, it reminds me a lot of, like, Labyrinth, which scared the shit yeah. out of me as a mm -hmm. kid. It just has that, like, grimy feel to it, which, I don't know, instantly it just makes me, like, a little, like, ugh. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like when I watch movies, it kind of reminds me of, like, Never Ending Story, mm -hmm. which I do like Never Ending Story, but it still, it's got that slow-moving, epic, fantasy world, 80s, just grimy feel that i just oh, like overwritten it just stirs I something love it so much inside me and that makes me like want to vomit a little bit but like in a <laughs> in a way in like favorite. a good way sometimes i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this it's just like it yeah it's it, deeply unsettled that that's the biggest emotion i felt from this movie it, yeah. it's not pleasing to you is that what you're saying sam no, Wesley, I'm not, not gonna say that word this episode because that <laughs> did not happen. I, okay. I I will say uh to give uh, uh to really hammer home uh kind of the uh uh the critical reception of this movie. This movie was nominated for four Oscars um in the places that you would probably expect. It was nominated for Art direction in its set decoration, uh, costume design, visual effects, and makeup. Terry Gilliam did not get a nom. None of the actors got a nom. Uh, editing absolutely didn't deserve one. Um, <laughs> why, why do you say that, Peter? I, oh I don't. I don't know editing as much. Like, it well, didn't take actually, me out. I have a question because sometimes you mention the editing for things, and I sometimes think that that's just the way it was written. Like, I feel like. Like, I don't know, because I think you talk about it and like these scenes happen in this order. But I think what if they were just written? Like, how do you know if it's editing versus it was just written that way? Well, it like, for instance, if we were talking last week episode, the uh, uh, like comet. Because I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like comet is what I was thinking of. Like, I'm pretty sure that was written out of order. Oh, yes. Purposely. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, w I wasn't saying that it was edited like that after okay. the fact. Um, I was saying like, oh, yes, if it was edited chronologically, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have liked it as much. This one, the editor's job, the editor's job is to take uh, the director's vision and clean it up and make it the correct vision that the mm -hmm. director doesn't know is the correct vision yet. 
Um, and they, they need to tighten things up. They need to, uh, put, they may need to make the dialogue snappy. They need me ah, geez, I can't speak. They need to make the cuts look like they make sense that it all happens in the same world, that it all happens in the same place. If people aren't in a scene together, they need to make it feel like they're in that scene together. Um, and the the biggest thing that Baron Munchausen suffers from is the dialogue drones on forever. And especially jokes. I So the thing that drove me insane is Robin Williams, very funny man. Love him to death. And but if you can't reel him in, it's it's incomprehensible. Uh, like there, there's like a three minute shot of Robin Williams talking to himself <laughs> as a he- not even with a body. It's just his head flying through space, talking to himself. And he's just going on and on and on. And he's got tons of jokes. And individually, the jokes are funny. But one after another, it's endless somebody needed to reel in robin williams and it wasn't going to be terry gilliam so it should have been his editor uh terry gilliam is like famous for not reeling anybody in he's a exactly collaborator yeah is what i've Mm -hmm. been heard i've heard yes i like terry gilliam is one one of the people who uh you read actor interviews and uh, uh, DP interviews and especially art, art people interviews. They say uh, he's one of their favorite people to work with because he loves ideas. He loves everybody's ideas and he just kind of lets them go and he gives them the direction and just say action. Uh, but that just doesn't work in an editing bay. Like without mm. specific instructions, without uh, the willingness to the phrases kill your darlings, mm. uh, your movie's going to suffer no matter how good it is. Uh, There's a reason you can watch something like the Godfather that goes on forever and still be engaged the whole time. Uh, And then you chop an hour off that runtime and watch this movie and it feels like it lasts forever. Mm. That's really succinct and a nice explanation, Peter. (laughs) Thanks. I'm an editor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say that you you mentioned like the the, the sloppiness of the, and it did come to mind the whole Venus Cyclops Vulcan <sighs> scene was bizarre with a capital uh-huh. B. <laughs> yep, and bizarre. I did like uh, Oliver Reed. I think that's his name. The guy yes. who played Vulcan. That's the best version of Hephaestus I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. However, he was, he was great. What the hell? What the hell was going on? What Real, the hell was going yes. on? Real, really quick, because I know Lily's about to launch into something. <laughs> I just want to say this scene opens like this. This is one of my favorite scene openings of any movie. Of it just opens of Vulcan. Uh, the, the god, what's he, the god, god of the forge? Yeah. Um. But he had a bunch of cyclopses to help him. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of cyclopses who were working for him. And the scene opens with a union dispute (laughs) 
with Vulcan just like throwing coal at the Cyclopses and be like, I gave you a raise a thousand years ago. What more do you want? <laughs> Morgan, who I was watching it with, pointed that out. I did not notice. Oh. I could hear what they were saying, but she was like, I, I had to have subtitles on from the beginning in this My movie. God. Yeah, I want to make that abundantly clear. Yeah, I, I think that like. It, it's it's not it's not it's one of my least favorite sequence. I still liked it because I like this whole movie. Like one of my Venus least favorite dancing. sequences of the movie. But oh my god, I I laugh every time it opens. It's just Vulcan, this angry man, throwing coal at a bunch of cyclopses because they want to raise. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Lily. Actually, I feel like I should be angry. I don't know. Uh, Venus, <laughs> it was it was weird. It, it was weird. Yeah. Okay. She I, was. Re- I, she's really young. She's to- really young. Why and is I get she that it's naked? the. Yep, yeah. and it's the birth of Venus. Mm-hmm. I get. Yeah, which I get I, the picture reference. Right. And she looks like spot on, just like the picture. It's visually very nice. But like, she's gonna be poison ivy in what five yeah, years? I guess, like, you know mm-hmm. what it is. It's yeah. cool for her to do it, that. It's more the fact that she comes out naked and then a room full of old men just kind of like yes. drool over her for, for a like very a time. very uncomfortable long You know time. what it is too? I realize now that I'm talking about this, if this scene, because I don't have a problem with the nudity or that like, you know, it's this, yeah. it's kind of this girl, you know, because I think in certain, you know, like, because in European movies, like, there's just really not that attitude and about also, nudity, like, so yeah. I get that. Yeah. But I just mm-hmm. think if this was like, if Sofia Coppola directed that scene, or if like, you know, Greta Gerwig directed that scene, mm-hmm. I just think it would be less objectifying. I think, yeah, less, well, and yeah. It just, they're, there wouldn't be the jokes wouldn't land the way they did. I think it will mm-hmm. be more succinct. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be prettier. I think it would be better lighting. I think mm-hmm. it would focus more on her perspective and what's going on maybe in her nothing. mind. Like she literally, I guess yeah. it's a, is she just she's a mannequin and they all just stare at her, all these very old men and like she does not get to really speak. <laughs> like yeah. And Uma Thurman's like early years in Hollywood were very traumatic. Like her marriage to Gary Oldman was very like undemocratic and like not cool. So I think part of it too that I'm reacting to is like, oh, you really gotta oh, you were not treated well in this business. And I think I was kind of reacting yeah. to that on mm-hmm. some level, like, oh, you weren't having a good time in your life. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. like watching like Rose McGowan in Scream, you're like, oh this is when it this is when it happened with Weinstein, you know, like oh god. Um god. but I think the actual effects of them when they're elevated and dancing is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I did kind of that was a fun like you know what I realized like this movie would be great if you screen it at like a hip indie hipster cafe. Mm-hmm. Like Peter that would, would be, be the it. perfect I would movie. be there, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the perfect movie to screen there. Like at Republic of Pi mm-hmm. in NoHo, yeah. just like, screen this really quiet for six hours and in the background and just yes. like visually pleasing, but you don't listen to it. Yeah. Like it's just like there. Well, I've seen a bunch of like music videos where they take surreal movies and then make a music video out of it, and that's really cool. So I, I it could do the same with this, um, this movie. Yeah, and th- this movie, especially like if you uh, if you really watch it, you can see um, where like T- Terry Gilliam is a very 
like uh whether it's in a good way or a bad way a very influential director who a lot of people uh take the small bits that he does um and put it in their movies like you you can see in that um the the scene where uh munchausen and venus are dancing in this big ballroom they're kind of dancing through the air was one of the inspirations for la la land where they go and dance in the griffith observatory and van helsing and and van helsing (laughs) Uh, or when they land on the moon and you see the stars in the sky and it's slowly uh, transitions into a ripple to show where you are. You see that in Pirates of the Caribbean. That was inspired by this movie. Um, and the, there's so many just different weird little bits where it's like, oh, yeah, somebody out there is a Terry Gilliam fan. <laughs> well, I will say, okay, I, I don't like Terry Gilliam movies. I don't want to watch them. But <laughs> I appreciate that <laughs> Let me make it clear. out there. <laughs> I it's kind of like uh i i know that a lot of people here like south park i appreciate that that show exists uh-huh. i don't like that show you know what it's I so funny because the way that you're saying this kind of reminds me about a quote about sting uh i really like sting uh i'm a big fan of his work i don't really listen to his music but just the fact that he's out there <laughs> making it. wait whose quote is that is that you zoolander it's a zoolander <laughs> quote it's owen wilson so i wanted funny. to say it earlier when we were talking about sting but no that that you just said it but about Terry. <laughs> oh that's perfect that's amazing or like you could see how um especially with the that last sequence um, I saw. I kept thinking of the flight to the moon or journey to the moon. I was. I was just gonna say something about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I. Which feel, is yeah, cool. Like trip, I don't know of a lot of movies yeah. in the in this time or even now that really like harken back to the silent movie or like kind of give that era its proper due. Mm-hmm. So right. I thought that was cool. Right. Because oh, I, right. I, I like some of those. Well, yeah. I did a little bit of research, and this movie is like infamous for going over budget it was like Mm -hmm. supposed to be at 20 million yep it went closer to 40 million uh 46 million 46 million and that gives me anxiety (laughs) and then like what the first two weeks of shoot or what first month of shooting they had like a uh, really you, disproportionate number yeah, of no, minutes. You, you, recorded. Yeah, you had the first one. Uh, uh, in their first two weeks of shooting, they had uh, 17 seconds of final footage. 17 seconds? Yeah. That's like oh, Tropic Thunder. That's like in the Tropic Thunder movie where they're like, two weeks in, they're already six months behind schedule. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Well, oh my God. also to make it matters worse, is there was regime changes above. Uh, in the in the like corporate structure, so yes. Trilon Columbia j- mm-hmm. Pictures just got bought out by Sony, so they didn't really care for this movie. They were like, you know, I think Robin Williams said it's like a lion taking over the pride and killing the uh killing mm. the former yeah. cub former lions whatever Simba. cub <laughs> yeah killing Simba. <laughs> And that was essentially what they did. They didn't market this well. They didn't release it 
in no. the U.S. hardly anywhere. They didn't even, though even it got... send out the cut. They, yeah. they they had 146 reels that they could send to theaters, and they only sent 60 of them. Wow. Well, to American theaters. Yeah. Which at the time we were the biggest market. Yeah, we, for we were the market. Yeah. So wow. it did fine in the UK, I think, and critics liked it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, no, I, that, that's yeah. a that's actually a common theme with Terry Gilliam movies. They really? they go wrong. They 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 go bad. Uh, they cost too much. They shoot too long. Uh, that's like pro- Cop- it's like Coppola. He's the Macbeth yeah. of directors. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the, Macbeth the, Coppola. The famous example is a uh, a few years ago, uh, a Terry Gilliam movie came out called The Death of Don Quixote. Um, oh, that yeah. movie has been in production for 35 years. <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, the first time they shot it, a hurricane destroyed Man, the Richard set. Richard Linklater really thought he was doing something with boyhood, but apparently... <laughs> no. He was too productive. The he was too time, efficient. The second time they shot it, the producer stole the film and ran away with it. <laughs> the fuck? The third time they shot it, the set burned down. I think that's that's what we call the a sign. The fourth time they shot it. No. <laughs> <laughs> the rule of four. Nobody watched it. <laughs> Oh man! I feel like I feel like Peter. You could do a one man show that's just like Terry and me. Listen, where you just I love Terry Gilliam. He's one of my favorite directors. I know but I too feel much like about this man. You could totally do like a one man show and be like that's just like telling the audience. Like, let me tell you about this guy. My journey oh. with Terry. Terry and me. Well, he do, he props up Jonathan Price, which I am so happy. Like Russell Crowe and Ridley Scott have that relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Depp and Tim Burton, but the one that's Pedro not Almodovar about, and Penelope Cruz. Yes, yes, but the one that's not really ever talked about is like Jonathan Price and Terry Gilliam. Yeah, <laughs> like because he was in Don Quixote, right? He was. Yes. Yeah. Jonathan Price Quixote. is amazing. He's oh, great. I love him. The high yeah, sparrow? got nothing but oh. good, except for he shouldn't have been in Miss Saigon, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> okay. I have, uh, yeah. I just um, really, I, I always, for the longest time, just called him, oh, yeah, the guy in What a Girl Wants. <laughs> Governor, I, I always did. called him Governor Swan. Me too. I was like, yep, that's him. I didn't even know he was like a real <laughs> oh, name that actor. that is him. Oh, <laughs> I forgot that was him. Yeah. <laughs> oh. For the Gosh. longest time, I was like, it's the governor. Look, he's in a. It's Kira Knightley's dad. Movie. He's the High Sparrow now. Yeah. And he's a James Bond villain. Hell yeah. Great James Bond movie. Underrated. All right. And he can sing. And can he can he? speak Spanish. No, he, he cannot. Sure can. He cannot speak Spanish. <laughs> 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 he can't speak Spanish. In Two Popes, they'd like ADR'd like somebody oh, that did not I match think, yeah, him I at all. Oh. That bugged the crap out of me with that yeah, movie. Was, I'm like, they clearly hired a 30 year old Argentinian like, guy to like <laughs> dub in the voice. I'm like, this doesn't track. It was like, <laughs> oh, hi, I'm Jonathan Price with a Spanish accent. And then this is like. <laughs> and we ADR, were the, yeah. like, Hello, I am Jonathan Price when I talk in Argentinian. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> I, would, I couldn't be I couldn't be bothered to learn the dialogue in its written language. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, I, I I have a question for the class. Um, so me me and Sam started talking about this, and then stopped because we wanted to bring it up now. 
what? So spoilers for the end of the movie, uh, if you made it this far. Um, it is revealed that the adventures that happen over the course of the movie are the stories that Baron Munchausen is telling to the town. Um, and it is, frankly, un- unclear city. Yeah, uh, it, it is frankly unclear whether or not they actually happen. Um, and uh, that is only emphasized by the fact that in the end of his story, him and his band of merry men go and defeat the Turks. Basically, just the five of them just take out uh, everybody. Um, and when we exit the story... Uh, and all of a sudden Baron Munchausen is crazy old again. And everybody's like, whoa, crazy story, man. Um, he goes, well, I'll prove it to you. Open the gates. Uh, and then age of reason guy, uh, uh, is there being like, no, the, the, they'll come and they'll storm the city and they'll destroy us. And there's a whole big tension. And then they open the gate and lo and behold, the Turks are gone. They've been defeated. So what do you guys think happened? I'll be honest, at that point, I didn't care. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I did oh, think of Wesley, it. Oh, Wesley, I was so excited to talk about this movie. Here's oh, the thing. Man, sorry. I feel really I'm bad because I was almost going to say the same thing, but Wesley beat me to it. <sighs> I will say it frustrated me. Uh-huh. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think I was just like, hey, it's Let me think of something real quick. Lily, what do you have to say? I always, just because it's so whimsical that, like, he just walked over to their camp and convinced them to leave. Politely. Like, (laughs) that's always just my, like, at the end. I can say something, but I'm worried it's mean. What? No, I want to hear it. It's not that mean. Uh, maybe he just went over there and told them the same story that he told everyone else, and they got so <laughs> bored that they just packed up and left. Oh, God. How about this, Peter? I will say mm-hmm. I did think about it, like, for two seconds uh-huh. to be like, what, 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 what happened? And what, 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 what happened? And I'll say that... It's kind of like the, uh, I would say that it maybe was, I took it as like, it's that, uh, everything can be explained by something else. Mm -hmm. So like he can tell that story, but they go out there and maybe it's just the plague and they have sailed away. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I got where like the big fish like this movie reminded me of big fish where oh yeah i felt that too a little bit yeah where things happened and at the end he tells the story or he tells the story in the movie about the conjoined twins and the conjoined twins come but they're not actually conjoined so Mm -hmm. something happened that was similar to what happened in the story you just have to divide by 17 yeah, well, that, that's that's interesting too because that that is where the original Baron Munchausen stories came from. It, it was very much a case of correlation, not causation. Whereas mm. uh, it, it kind of became the uh, oh, 
all of a sudden this poison river is clean and happenstance Baron Munchausen was already was also there. And then a few months later, oh, weird that um, a giant bird appeared in the sky and like stole a house at the same time that Baron Munchausen <laughs> happened to be visiting. And it was just kind of like, obviously, those are extreme examples, but that those right. are how the stories began. They, they were very much tales of uh, exaggerated truths and, oh, maybe he wasn't actually there, but there was somebody because... I'm not going to, I don't know his full name. Baron Munchausen's full name is like 17 names long. Yeah. Alexander it's like, oh Alexander. yeah, maybe Vaughn. it was somebody who shared one of his billion names and they just kind of collected it Grimm's fairy tale style into a book. Uh, Terry, Terry Gilliam directed Grimm's fairy tale. He also Brother directed Grimm. the Brothers Grimm. That's a yeah. good point. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, I like I, I personally see it as I, I see this movie as um a- almost Saturday morning cartoony, like where it, like if you watch the old Looney Tunes with Bugs Bunny, where he can talk about, oh, yeah, I did this and it just has already happened. Um, I, I, I think of it like, yes, within the kind of the point that I was talking about. Uh, before, because Baron Munchausen is presented as this kind of antithesis to reason because the story is happening and because he's gotten the entire town at this point to basically get on his side, it happened because that's just how it happens in stories and fairy tales and like this type of thing. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, he's the hero. He wins every time, Mm -hmm. no matter what. Right. Right, and except even, when he dies. But, he but that's just die. one of the times he died. Which <laughs> I did like the not, that my line. My favorite. Oh, that's my favorite line in the movie. Not because it's the best line, but it's the one that I think I quote the most often. Just right. it always comes back to me. Uh, where there there's a point in the movie where uh he defeats the Turks and then he gets shot and dies. Um, and then cut back to uh back to the theater where he's still telling the story. He's like, yeah, that was one time I died. Do you want to hear about a different one? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that Sultan I thought was Ben Kingsley the whole time until I looked. At <laughs> I was like, who's this Jeffrey Jefferson? What was his name? Jeffrey Peterson or something? Um, uh, stand by, stand by. Oh, Peter I, I, Jeffrey, I, my uncle. <laughs> Peter yeah. Who is this Peter Jeffrey? What did he play? Oh, the mm-hmm. Sultan. Okay. Darn. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> uh, again, I like the aesthetics. I like the ideas. The, uh, yeah, what you were saying about the droning on, the humor didn't, it yeah. didn't mesh with me. Brevity yeah. is the soul of wit. <laughs> I I feel like I went into this saying I was indifferent to this movie, and I feel like I made it sound like I absolutely hated this movie. <laughs> I don't think I did. I think I did enjoy yeah. parts of it. I just, yeah. No, I And I, I think, didn't hate this movie either. I just... I think you did. Literally everything you've been saying. <laughs> I think the sets were cool, and it's cool and surreal. 
I know, but no, every honestly, time you talk about I've it, you have this more... deep sigh of like, oh. I've yeah, been more negative so. than Wesley, I think. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I do think that this is a movie that like, that this, this is the type of movie was like, oh yeah, are you in the mood to watch a movie, any movie, you don't care what? Watch this. Yeah. That's not yeah. a great selling point. Well, no, because and like, I actually think it's the opposite cl- because I was not in the mood to like like I was I was in the mood to watch a movie, but not this one. Like like I feel like you have to be in a very specific mood to want to watch this. Do movie. you want to take pot and watch a movie? Yeah, actually, honestly, I I wish I yeah. had that's been good, high. That's, that's good. I wish I, I had like been go high. about it too. Uh, that's uh, what I felt like I should have done too. Oh, I will say that this felt like Nick Fury assembling the Avengers. Like in every Aww. scene, he's like, let's get the strong man back. Let's get the speedster in our gang to go defeat Aww. the Sultans. <laughs> 300 style, baby. Yeah. Xerxes. Just turn on WAP. God, when, uh, when, when the strong man pulls the four, no, the three ships the three. out of the oh, ocean and just throws them at the Turkish art. Oh, it's so good. I like that part too. I was like, I, I turned to Morgan. I was like, is he going to pull up like ships or something? And then he pulled up ships and it was yeah. a cool contraption in a way. Uh, yeah. I like uh, that. I love how much you love this, Peter. I do too. Uh, Peter, I, I love how much you love this, episode. Peter. I love, I love that yeah. for you. I, I was, I was honestly worried because like we're, we're recording this a little late. I'm coming back from set. I was stuck in traffic for two hours. I was just kind of in like a bad mood. I'm like, whatever, let's just record the podcast and get it over with. <laughs> uh, but like, if that's any evidence, how much I fucking love this movie. That's I'm great. so, my mood is totally lifted right now. Cause I get to talk about Baron <laughs> Munchausen. It's your happy place. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like me and Anonymous, except everybody shat on me. So, well, hey, Wesley, how how do you think I feel right now? <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been pretty. Fa- I've been I- no, pretty I, I'm even-handed just, with that this. was that was more of like trying to get a laugh, but it was oh. it didn't get a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry, I'm, I'm done. I'm. I liked it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I. I will say. If you were a 18th century uh, fictional character who showed up in a real town only to uh, uh, save it from, I don't, I I, I thought I, I could figure out the it. metaphor as I was going and I couldn't. I got it. I got it. I got it. You are. Uh-huh. You are a fictional character mm-hmm. and you come across a town that is just getting berated and Badgered. Those are not words about war. But uh, <laughs> getting bombshells. These soldiers are Hell, badgering me. <laughs> I've been badgered Cold to Geneva. death. I'm being badgered. <laughs> <laughs> These soldiers are bothering my yeah, whole just... village. <laughs> <laughs> From city to town to village. Okay, great. Oh, no. my hovel. My hovel is my being hovel. attacked. My township. Um, so you come across this city. The Smithy's been bombed. Yeah. <laughs> you come across this city. This city. Um, that is this movie. Yes. And you're the only one who can assemble a team to come and save this movie from 
the the horde of obscurity. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So obscurity is gonna swallow this. Do you assemble your team? Do you fight off that horde or whatever that 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 army? Mm-hmm. Or let it go. I'll, I'll tell you right now. I feel like my answer is going to be very obvious. Oh, I'm put. I'm not. I'm not even like getting my own team. I'm putting together the exact team in this movie because they're just <laughs> they hit all the right beats. Uh, and, and not only are we going to go save this city, we're going to go uh, put on a play to tell the rest of the world all about how we did it. Um, I. I think my greatest regret watching this movie was that I rented it instead of buying it. Mm, shit. You can still do that. I'm going to, actually. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to buy a physical copy of this movie. Gotcha. Uh, Sam, Lily, what about you guys? Um, I think I would pull an, an Adina Menzel and let it go. <laughs> But not so not just like I don't I don't outright dislike this movie. I just don't think it deserves to be like pulled from the ashes and like refurbished and restored like we've done with the other ones. Like I think mm-hmm. we can leave it for other one for other people to find and maybe people who are just more interested with the set design. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but with I leave it with love and care. Mm. There we go. Gotcha. I think I am indifferent to this movie, and I do like it, but I'm going to go with the hateful answer right now oh. because I just think it'll be more entertaining. I'm going to join the horde. No! Oh! I'm going to join the horde. I did not see that coming. <laughs> and just help them bury this Jesus. movie. <laughs> I don't know if I really feel that way. I just, oh, you know. That's so Sam becomes a turncoat just to destroy this movie. I think what it is, is I feel like I I don't hate this movie. It just bored me a lot. And and I I don't know. I feel like I was I got bored again like talking about (laughs) (laughs) So listen, tune into our podcast where one of the one of the speakers is just bored with the conversation. This is beneath me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, I've definitely had a good like conversation about this. Even so, here's what I would do. Yes, I would actually, I would fight off the horde of obscurity. I would, and what I would do is I would get the what the keys to the city from that Mm -hmm. from that German, French, British. Upper crust man, that, that European is, man, yeah, very European uh, man that is Jonathan Price, and I would give it to people who want it, such as a good friend named Peter, hey. such as people who I would maybe suggest, hey, go to this city, watch this movie, if you're into it. I'm not. I'm never going it back. Com- <laughs> Could the DVD be free with like a substantial amount of pot? Like when you buy this amount, the movie will uh, be free with it. How about I when think you buy fair. pot, you should get this movie. Yeah, like they should I, like throw in a deal. It's a good pot yeah, movie. Exactly, it, it mm-hmm. is. I I will say before before we end, um, if you are like me and you do 
love this type of weird, absurdist movie. This is part of an informal trilogy, which is uh, Time Bandits, which is what I was debating suggesting is between this and Time Bandits. Uh, followed by Brazil, followed by this movie. So if you did like this movie, there's two other ones that are uh, uh, of of a similar like. Um, and Brazil, and totally I know, and that's not very obscure to me. Like, no, Brazil is Bra- pretty... No, Brazil's probably his best-known movie besides Holy Grail. Oh, yeah, that too, yeah. Um, but Time Bandits, another one of my mm, foundational childhood movies right there. <laughs> Well, Peter, I'm super glad that you brought this one in because I don't know. I just really enjoyed you here talking about it. This is me. <laughs> it's a completely different type of movie that that yeah. we haven't seen yet. Yeah. It's Definitely. like a new addition. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like normally the rift is between Wesley and Lily, and today it was uh-huh. today it transferred was to this. The house. two people who actually have to live together. After. <laughs> <laughs> I get one cat, you get the other. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Sorry. Uh. Sorry. So <laughs> thank you for listening. Does anybody have anything else to say before I give a sneak peek? Mm. I don't know. I'm As good. my dad said about my first tattoo, he didn't say anything because he didn't have anything nice to say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going to love hearing that. <laughs> yeah, he is. Wait, what All is right. this movie? Did if you're this- going to watch this, just like get comfy, like just don't, just let it wash over you. Oh, oh yeah. you know that would be my advice to people who are going to watch it. Just let the experience, just mm-hmm. like a hot bath, just submerge in it, surrender to it. Don't, don't try to figure it out. <laughs> it's like watching a foreign language movie without subtitles. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, if you're not fluent in the language, uh-huh. that could be that could be hard. <laughs> All right, so guys, I'm going to give a sneak peek for next week's episode. Uh, next week, we are watching. We are sticking to the 80s, the 1985 <gasps> movie Young Sherlock Holmes. Uh, in the trailers, it's presented as presented by Steven Spielberg. So it's kind of a Steven Spielberg. He didn't direct it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this like is... Like a Goonies the- yeah, yeah, exactly, actually. I think this might have been his his Steven Spielberg's verse universe. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, take a listen to the trailer. I beg of you, begin an investigation. Based on what? Your imagination. It was obviously a suicide. Never trust the obvious one. Uncle didn't kill himself. Before a lifetime of adventure came the adventure of a lifetime. What's your name? Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. That's a girl. Brilliant deduction, Watson. Steven Spielberg presents Young Sherlock Holmes, directed by Barry Levinson. There is a clever murderer on the loose, and I am going to find him. I might get caught, and that would mean trouble. You would let trouble ruin an opportunity for adventure. Maybe not. Oh my god. I'm going to kill her. Stop! She's alive! 
before the legend began. Yeah, so that's been uh, our episode on the adventures of Baron Munchausen or Munchausen. Um, thank you for listening. I've been Wesley. I've been Peter. I've been Lily. I've been Sam. And goodbye from obscurity. Obscurity.